Too many men forsake their dreams because they aren't willing to risk or fear they aren't up for the challenge or are never told that those desires deep in their heart are good. But the soul of a man isn't made for controlling things. He's made for adventure. Something in us remembers, however faintly, that when God set man on the earth, he gave us an incredible mission, a charter to explore, to build, to conquer, and to care for all creation. This show is about that ancient song that wells up within each man when he ventures into the unknown. It sings out like a clarion call to the wild places of the earth. This is the anthem of the adventurer. for men who are looking to answer the call to the wild places in their lives. I'm your host, Dan Zaner. What do you get when you combine a passion for board gaming, the outdoors, and adventure with great skills at starting up a successful businesses? You get my friend David Rehagen. <laughs> he started an amazing new business called The Gamer's Ranch, which I found out about on one of my favorite blogs, The Dice Tower. He finds board games in the outdoors as a way to get his friends and family together and have fun, as well as focusing on making healthier life choices for him uh, in his business. Instead of sitting at the computer all day, he's getting outdoors and doing stuff and building things. It's just really, really cool and encouraging to see uh, the new directions his life has gone since uh, making this transition. And I couldn't agree more with him in terms of uh, his priorities in life. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Without further ado, here is David Rehagen. Okay, so today on the show, we have a, a new friend of mine that I, I found through one of my favorite board game blogs, The Dice Tower. We have David Rehagen, who uh, is the founder of the Gamers Ranch out in Missouri, which just looks like an epic place, and I can't wait to go visit. <laughs> You're going to learn all about that today uh, as we talk about adventure and board gaming and a lot of other things. David, welcome to the show. It's great to have you today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I appreciate you finding me and I've uh, been checking out all your podcasts and it's it's really amazing just uh, the variety of people you have on here and um, just uh, really excited to get my story out there and um, and be part of the community. Awesome. Well, th- tell us about your story. Who, 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 are, who is David? A little bit about where you're from, your family, and uh, it'd be great to hear Sure. I'm from uh, mid-Missouri, around the Jefferson City area, and um, I grew up uh, as an Air Force brat. So my parents and and I moved around uh, to a bunch of different places all around the country. Uh, We lived overseas for a little while in Germany, and and, uh, we got back and I got into computers. I mean, I I loved computers uh, ever since I was a, a little kid, and my dad being a jet engine mechanic, just didn't really, you know, how can you make money in computers? I mean, that was, that was actually a thing at one time, uh, you know, not really uh, knowing how that was all going to turn out. So, you know, got into computers, um, started doing software development that kind of led into uh, playing a lot of video games. And uh, then as I, you know, as I met my wife and started having a family, I, I started noticing that there's, there's just kind of a dead end in a way to a lot of this technology and that I was, I was, um, you know, video games are so solitary um, that 
I, I needed to find a way to kind of outlet my creativity and video games are fun, uh, but I needed to work my family and my friends and all these things into that. And, uh, and I just noticed, you know, uh, programming, I felt, you know, I was inside all the time and I felt I was just there. I remember there was a moment I thought, I'm just pushing this chair down a little bit harder today than I was yesterday. And I thought, um, you know, I, I kind of need a little bit of a change of pace. And um, I'd always enjoyed the outdoors, always loved hunting and fishing. And going back to my childhood, even though we moved around a lot, my grandparents owned a farm that was about 400 acres. And we pretty reliably got back there every summer. And it really left a mark on me. And, you know, they had a really small farmhouse that was three bedrooms. And, you know, downstairs, uh, my grandparents slept. And then upstairs, they raised 13 kids in two bedrooms, the boys' room and the girls' room. There was no air conditioning in this place. And I don't know. I don't know how they did it. But what was amazing was is that um, spending nights there, you know, there's no air conditioning. So all the windows are open. And I just remember falling asleep every night to the sounds of crickets and the frogs in the pond and, and just the sights and sounds and smells of, of the outdoors. And I thought, I really need to get back to that, you know, because, you know, whether you believe that we were created or we evolved, we were either created or evolved for the outdoors. I mean, th there's something just really primal to that. And I felt that, you know, this, this whole virtual world, while it's amazing and fantastic and I love it, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, I hate to say not natural, but I mean, it's, it's just something else and it needs to be put into perspective with, with, uh, nature and the outdoors. So, so this was all kind of happening at the same time I was getting into board gaming. And I noticed that, um, with board games, um, we were hiring a lot of programmers and it was really hard to get programmers, but we noticed that programmers tended to love board games. They just love the puzzle of it. They loved you know, sitting down and figuring a game out and reading the rules and doing all this stuff. And um, so I just, you know, fell headlong into board games. So, um, you know, just started playing them at work. And then we started using them for interviews to find developers. And, oh, cool. you know, yeah. Oh, it's amazing because you, you bring someone in and, and during an interview, I don't know how many, you know, interviews you sit on, but it's very easy for someone to put up a facade during an interview because it's 15 or 20 minutes and you're going to get the best view of that person, right? I mean, well, you're going to get the view that they want to portray. But when you put someone, you put a game down in front of them and you bring some of the people that they're going to be working with in and you play a cooperative game like a pandemic or something like that, the true nature of people just tends to come out and you start to see, is this person kind of a leader? And Maybe you don't need a leader, you know, maybe you need someone that takes direction really well. And, and you can just start seeing their personality come out. And it's, uh, and you also get the people that they're going to be working with to start seeing how is that person going to be working, you know, in, um, you know, how they're going to work with them, you know, in, in the future. And we just found it as a really good aid. And the other thing is that if they're really good at the game, it, it just talks a little bit about their thought process and about how they're, they're picking things up. Even something as simple as we might leave a, a board game out and bring someone in for an interview. And you can notice even small things like, does the interviewee pick up the rule book? Does he start looking through it? You know, is, does hmm. he, is he going to sit there and kind of wait for the rules to be explained to him? Or is he going to pick up the rule book and start reading it? Just, just little things. And so, so, you know, I'm, I'm into board games. I've got all this stuff going on. Um, I ended up uh, starting a software company 
uh, in 2004, uh, Think Geo. We do some very mathematically heavy scientific stuff uh, that no one understands. Um, probably not even me most of the time. Uh, but Sounds it's all like my day job. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all GIS software, and you know they they say you should be able to explain your business in in one sentence, and it's just it's hard. But we do mapping stuff, um, cool. and so. Um, we were getting to a point where, uh, you know, me and my, my partner, um, we, we would never take vacations. I mean, we were just really workaholics and we started saying, well, you know, we're going to need to start taking vacations. So we started doing some mandatory vacation and we noticed that the company tended to run better when we were gone. It was interesting, you know, profits were up when we were gone and we thought, you know, maybe we're getting in the way of all these great and talented people that we hired and it's time for us to kind of start to phase ourselves out a little bit. And so, you know, Gamers Ranch really is me, was me kind of phasing out in a way. And uh, it was the next kind of opportunity. So I started looking for some land that we could build a lake on uh, because I wanted a really natural area. I wanted a lake. I wanted you know, a house on the lake and, um, and started looking at that and learned a lot about building lakes and learned that you can't build a half a lake. And once you start it, you're kind of committed to it. <laughs> and, and it was just crazy because it's, um, it's this thing with dealing in the physical world, whether, you know, it's woodworking or it's these things, there's, there's actual repercussions to doing things. And sometimes time is all it takes, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you, you make mistakes and you have to fix them, but you, you have to worry about the weather and is it the right time to, to plant the grass and all of these things that it seems like we may have lost along the way that software and technology it doesn't care if it's winter time or summertime or, or whatever. And it's just, it was a big uh, change of pace for me to move into this kind of natural world and, uh, and kind of deal with all the challenges there to, you know, to build Gamers Ranch. But we ended up getting it done. Um, we ended up building the lake at the end of 2016. And uh, it, it, that's even an amazing process. I would have I never guessed. I mean, right where the dam is, to make sure that the lake seals, they have to dig down to bedrock a channel, which is gonna be the core of the dam. And they had to dig down 35 feet because if they don't fill that with clay, the water could seep underneath it. And, uh, and it's, just, it's just an amazing process. Um, but we got that done. We got the, the ranch built in 2017 and uh, we opened uh, this year. And it's, it's been really amazing. I, I've, I, what really surprised me in, in opening it is how many kind of fellowships there are. I mean, uh, you know, most of the people that we've had there are, you know, either groups of families that uh, maybe the parents game, but maybe the kids don't care about gaming. So they come down, the kids get to swim in the lake and ride the four wheelers around and, and have fun on the VR and things. And then the parents get the board game nonstop. And, uh, and then that's great. And then the other, the other, uh, like group that we have usually coming down are just uh, groups of old friends, you know, where there's maybe 15 guys that all grew up together. Now they live in different cities and they meet up every year somewhere. And uh, I was really surprised by that. I think moving around and being that Air Force brat, I never had a lot of friends, you know, like I never had any friends that I had from second grade, for example. Um, but a lot of guys get together like that and, uh, and they've been really enjoying it. And um, it's been really good. That is so cool. Oh, man. There's, there's a lot of things I want to ask you on that. Um, 
I love that that experience you talked about of your, your grandparents farm growing up my uh my grandparents my mom's side had a dairy farm and I I've got real fond memories really similar of of going out to the the farm in the summer and you know helping with the animals and and listening to all the night sounds in the country at night uh, sleeping out there is just there's something magical yeah we've lost it I mean to, to some degree I mean when what was it there was some statistic where you know 30 percent of the people can't see the stars at night you know because of light pollution or or you know because they live in a city and uh and we were really uh we were really made for that kind of environment I believe in just the peace and the calm that comes over it and something about, I mean, this kind of moves into almost a social media aspect where, you know, life on the farm, it, it runs in its cycles, right? So when it's nighttime, you just can't do stuff outside. So you go in and you rest. And then the daytime when it's cool, you work really hard. You know, in the tech world, you're working all the time. You can work at midnight because you got to wake up and work with some people over in China or over in India. And um, and it's really, it seems like it's turned uh people into machines to some degree uh, where, you know, out on the farm, there's just uh, things have to be done when it's time for them to be done. And it gives you time when, uh, when you kind of have some downtime to think and uh, to kind of plan your next move. And uh, it just seems a lot more, uh, I don't know. I just seem a lot more at peace with that and uh, just trying to disconnect. Yeah. I think there's, there's a ton of wisdom in that. And one of our, uh, other guests on the show, John Eldridge, talks a ton about that. Um, actually, in a recent series on on his podcast, The Ransom Heart, um, we were talking offline about the podcast you should make sure to listen to. That's one of them. That's on my list. I listen to every week. But he talks about the influence of the you know quote unquote the world as told in the Bible, and how we've been so disconnected from reality <laughs> by the world of Starbucks on every corner and self driving cars and all, you know, social media and all these things that have given this big layer of abstraction from the seasons and the fact that you can't get blueberries in Indiana in March. Mm-hmm. They just don't grow here. Like, but you look at the package in the grocery store and you get blueberries, but they're from Chile or wherever. And we just don't obey those natural laws in this life anymore. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. Today we're brought to you by the awesome patrons over on Patreon. Patreon is a platform where you can support the show on a monthly basis to help with production costs and also improve the show with higher quality audio, swag for supporters, and much more as we reach our monthly goals. Head on over to patreon.com slash anthem of the adventurer to pledge your support. And thank you for making this happen. Now back to the show. Yeah, I think there's there's a ton of wisdom in that. And one of our... Uh... Other guests on the show, John Eldridge, talks a ton about that. Um, actually, in a recent series on, on his podcast, The Ransom Heart, um, we were talking offline about the podcast you should make sure to listen to. That's one of them. That's on my list I listen to every week. But he talks about the influence of the, you know, quote unquote, the world, as told in the Bible, and how we've been so disconnected from reality <laughs> by the world of Starbucks on every corner and self-driving cars and all, you know, social media and all these things that have given this big layer of abstraction from the seasons and the fact that you can't get blueberries in Indiana in March. They just don't grow here. Like, 
but you look at the package in the grocery store and you get blueberries, but they're from Chile or wherever. And we just don't obey those natural laws in this life anymore. Yeah, and it's really hard to say. I mean, is this uh, progress? I mean, I, I, I look around and I see what technology and what all these things have done for us and it can't all be bad, right? Sure. It's just that it's, it's coming at us so fast. We don't have the perspective to know what's good and what's bad. I mean, look at social media in, in, like, in something like Facebook. Facebook is great when I'm away from all my relatives and I can stay in touch with you know, all my nieces and nephews that I don't get to see and it's great. But then it also opens up to fake news and opens up to all these you know, other avenues. And we just don't have the perspective to know what's good about it and what's bad about it. And, um, but it's coming at us. It's coming at us you know, faster you know, than ever. And, uh, and it's kind of hard to opt out of without sounding like a Luddite. You know? And here I am right. in, you know, embedded in technology my whole life and, uh, and just see that maybe that's not the best way to live. Um, but it's hard to know what, what to take and, and what not to take. Yeah. I just got to experiment sometimes. And, you know, maybe, uh, this is a, a season of, of experimenting with the outdoors, which can't be all bad either. <laughs> Absolutely. So you have, you kind of embraced the, uh, the outdoors as adventure, um, as well as building things and, and board gaming. What would, what would you say your, your kind of working definition of adventure is? Well, I think there's a kind of a surface definition that we probably all operate on, which is just the, the, the kind of the new and the exciting, you know, it's, it's playing Minecraft and you come across a little hole in the ground and you wonder what's in there and you kind of poke around there. And then there's another room, a cavern that it opens up to and, and just kind of following where it leads. Um, but then there's, there's maybe a, a, a kind of a deeper um, definition, which is, which I, I think is really just a, a state of mind, right? It's, it's opening your mind to whatever is out there and letting it pour in. I mean, we spend so much of our lives building filters and barriers, and that's why things come routine, because we have all these filters up where we don't, you know, we're, we're walking down this trail because maybe we have to go to work and we're, we're walking through the parking lot, and we have all of these filters set up to not notice what's going on around us. Because we really, you know, this is a means to an end to, to get into work or whatever it is. And, and when you're, you know, when you go out to adventure, you drop all those barriers and you let it all come in. And that's why things like skydiving or bungee jumping, you know, those are experiences that are so powerful. You couldn't put a big enough filter on you to stop, you know, reality from screaming into your mind that, you know, you're falling through the air. And so... You know, I, I think it's uh, it's opening up to that because, man, I find adventure. I mean, you know, I, I enjoy hiking. I enjoy going into the woods, but I find adventure building an RC airplane that I've never built before or learning some new skill or even listening to a podcast and, you know, hearing about something I would have never thought in my wildest dreams. I mean, some of it is is even just getting um, norms that I think question. You know, I, I spent... Uh, a good number of years. Actually, my wife is Chinese. I spent probably five or six years in China. Um, we opened an office there and I, I'd spend a lot of time there. And it really made me rethink a lot of things um, about society. So uh, like a perfect example would be, you know, in the US, you might hear um, the early bird gets the worm or the dog that trots about gets the bone. Well, you go to China and they might have an idiom that says, 
the bird that flies first gets felled by the hunter's arrow. Hmm. Don't be out first. You know, you're going to get, you're going to get hit by the arrow. Be in the middle of the pack. That's what's safe. And so you, you just start to see that, you know, our traditional wisdom is, is localized, you know, and that there's lots of other different, different uh, ways to look at the world. So, you know, in the U.S., we stress a lot of things about being creative um, and to go with your heart's desire. And we have this incredible safety net that allows us to take all these risks. And if we take all these risks, there's not really that many repercussions. I mean, say no to drugs and alcohol. And you can pretty much do whatever you want with your life, right? I mean, you have all these options. I mean, you can go on the road like the ministry and just let God guide you from from here to there, right? What's the real, I mean, living in America, we just have this safety net, right? But you go to other countries that the safety net might not exist and they have a very different way of looking at the world. That's why you see the, the Asian tiger moms, you know, they focus on education because, you know, I visited a lot of these villages. I mean. I visited my wife's uh, father's village uh, where my grandma or my wife's great grandma lived. And uh, she just passed away about a year ago at 93 or 94. And, and, you know, they had, they were getting water from a well. They had no indoor plumbing um, and she wouldn't move from there. I mean, she enjoyed that life. They cooked outdoors and uh, it's just so different. I mean, when you grow up in that environment where your, your one outhouse is shared by three families, uh, maybe you'll get on your kids for having a really good education and to try to get out of there. You know, it's, uh, it's just a very, the, the stakes are different, you know? Um, but it was so great. I mean, you know, my wife was like, I can't believe you can take it out here. I'm like, this is just like camping. This is great. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't have to take a shower for four days. You know, I mean, we're out here in the, in the middle of, uh, you know, almost in the middle of the woods. I mean, they're literally living in these like caves that were strewn out of the mountain. And, uh, and it's just, uh, it's just incredible to see just the differences in, in lifestyle and perspectives and, uh, and, uh, I don't know, it just gets into, you just got to open your eyes and you got to get out there. And that's why I think, you know, I loved the, um, the podcast with the traveling dad Oh man, you know, that's heading down and, and, and call him up. I mean, I already called up and scheduled my, my meeting with him, um, Excellent. just to find out what, you know, what he's up to, because, you know, we were talking a little bit before the podcast that, you know, a lot of times people think that they're going to change from within. And I think, you know, most of the time in my life, it's, it's been changed by having someone from the outside, you know, I meet them and they change the way that I think about something. And that's why podcasts are so incredible. I mean, think about this. I mean, you're going to meet people or, you know, kind of virtually meet people that you would never bump into in real life. I mean, probably never. And, uh, and uh, it's just an amazing thing. So I would uh, schedule that with him. He said he's in the Philippines now. And yeah. he, was, he was just in, uh, what was it, Nicaragua? Or no, yeah, he, he was, was in Costa Rica. Costa yeah. Rica, that's right. So he's, uh, he's definitely out there uh, living the dream. Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know Ricky. Um, I, I hope another message back about getting some Tagalog lessons. <laughs> but uh, man, he's just been such a, uh, uh, just a rich full personality to get to know and and uh a just extremely generous soul uh he's he's introduced me to I think 10 or 11 different guys to to get on the show and someone who's amazing to do editing and um i, I just he, really like his his wealth of experiences he's had through traveling with his family and 
and that he's just generous to share about that with with anybody who is willing to pull up a chair and listen and and share with with him about their experience it's so cool absolutely and i you know i look at the common thread of all the people that you know you've had on your podcast and they're just people that take action they're people that get out there and 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 do it and uh and you just you know i don't know that's it'd be interesting to find out kind of how they started you know at like what were the little baby steps because you very often just don't change your life you know maybe in one day but um you know how to get yourself kind of going um i thought for myself it was always um i always felt compelled like i was you know th there was no question of what do you know why do i wake up in the morning i wake up in the morning thinking about 8000 things that i could do with my day and just go out and start doing them yeah and uh so in some ways i don't think i could stop even if i wanted to and i think that's why they talk about you know people going to retirement and you think you're going to sit and fish all day and no, you're going to start a new business or you're going to get involved in something, you know, because you can't just sit around. Um, but, uh, but some pretty amazing people out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's what I really like about, I mean, everybody that's been on the show, including, including yourself. I mean, you get, you're, you have made a, a pretty radical shift. I mean, not overnight, obviously either, but it's, it's one of those things where you build over time. Can you tell a little bit more about that kind of, process of build of unpacking the entrepreneurial spirit and then blossoming sure. into this business oh yeah i mean it, it definitely came out of desperation i mean you know there's just nothing more powerful than being very disappointed with the way things are going and i i typically don't believe in disappointment from the standpoint of um you know there's just there's just not a lot of good that comes out from feeling negative i mean there's just no net gain out of it right but at the same time you know i was doing a, a lot of consulting work and uh going to you know different uh, fortune 500 companies and uh, basically putting out a lot of fires from systems that were built and just you know having my expertise but i just noticed that um you know these a lot of these companies were so inefficient and i just thought man you know if i had my own software company you know i could do things right i mean i could do things my way so I think my way is the right way, right? I mean, we're all, all biased that way until yeah. we start to get our way and then we figure out, oh, maybe somebody else had a good idea and you know, we should go with that instead. But um, I was just getting tired of, of moving around. Um, I, was, um, I was just meeting my wife and uh, we were talking about you know, having kids. Um, you know, it was four years before we got married and we had our first son. We were kind of planning everything out and I was thinking, you know, let's, let's do it. And my wife was very supportive. I mean, she, you know, in China, it's, it's pretty amazing because in some ways you think that, I don't know, it, it doesn't strike you at first glance that it's very entrepreneurial, but everybody has a side hustle. Everybody's just, you know, opening some little business, has a little cart, has a little air conditioning stand, has something. And so she was just really supportive. And she's like, yeah, we should just do it. And so she really, uh, backed me on that. And, uh, and uh, just decided to, okay, let's do it. And, and um, we could go to China where my expenses were really low and I could build some of the software there. And so I spent a lot of time in China uh, building the software, but ended up running out of money. And I was originally building um, a crisis management system to deal with like uh, hurricanes and, and stuff like that. And ran out of money, moved back to the US and, um, 
And basically we just took one little part of the system, which was the mapping stuff and sold that by itself. And so you, you just never know when you can parlay something into something else in life. You know, you, we started by building this thing, but run out of money and that's a real thing. And then wow. we took a piece of it and started selling it. And we just happened to time the market, you know, pretty well that it became fairly popular and we're able to, you know, get, get that business going. But it was really just, uh, I mean, it was, I was really just tired of, I mean, as a consultant, you're, I don't know. I mean, you're kind of respected for your expertise, but at the same time, you're not an employee. And so people know that you're kind of not going to be there and that you're going to be a little bit transient. And, and so you just don't get treated the best sometimes. And uh, I don't know, it, yeah. it just wore on me after a while and moving from city to city. I mean, it's great for a while, but you know, when you're thinking about having kids and, and what you're, you know, long-term, it, it probably wasn't going to work out. Yeah, definitely. So that, so that led you to then you, you started this company with your partner and, and, and kind of got that evolution of this, where did this inspiration for, for the gamers ranch come and how has that kind of evolved? And can you tell us about the experience there as well? Oh, sure. So, uh, you know, so I worked at, uh, I mean, you know, we built, built the company up for a number of years and then as we're kind of phasing out, um, you know, I, I, I thought that, I thought that it's, it's a really good opportunity that, that since I'm so embedded in technology, I always felt that I was kind of at the tip of the, of the curve as far as ways that I felt about technology, people maybe a year from now would start to feel. And so I just felt this, you know, man, with video games, they're really fun, but they're so solitaire. We're just, we're going down this this almost nihilistic, you know, path. And then you look at trolling and you look at all these things. And I'm, and I thought, you know, I think there's going to be a rejection of some of this technology, but people still have this fundamental urge to play games. People still want to be involved and they want to do these things. And if you think about, you know, in the fifties and sixties, you had a lot more things like lodges and you had, you know, girls getting together and playing bunco or cards or bridge or these things. And, um, I was thinking, uh, you know, and I still think that there's going to be kind of a revival in that and there's going to be a kind of pushback against some of this technology and that it's going to then be funneled into, into the board game because I think there's a, just a fundamental need that people, some people have to want to play games and kind of have fun and that's a good outlet for it. So I thought that if I mix some technology with the outdoors, okay. I'll just say it. I mixed all my passions together in creative game. <laughs> what do you rate. think I'm doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you just, you kind of take what you have and you throw yeah. it in a pot and you mix it up and you hope that it, you know, you hope that it resonates with people. I mean, yeah. you know, for probably every hundred businesses that start, you know, the super majority of those are going to fail. And, uh, and uh, you know, you can't be smarter than the market. It's just that you, what you think may resonate with people. And if it is, it'll be successful. And then you go on from there. But you know, I've just, I've met too many brilliant people to think that, you know, that anyone's so super smart that, you know, that they're just going to know, um, you know, same thing with like stock picking experts, you know, really <laughs> the news is, you know, if a guy picks this, you know, the perfect stock X many times in a row, the news story there is probability, you know, probability holds someone just randomly picked all these great stocks. You know, it's, it's hard to be smarter than anything else. So all you can do is just put out there what you have 
and hope it resonates. And if it does, then you'll kind of be successful at it. And I guess it's, it's just this idea that, I mean, I like to take credit to some degree of what I've done, but at the same time, oh my gosh, there's so much, there's so much luck and circumstance. And, you know, um, if I was born on the African Savannah Plains, I would not be where I am today. And, um, and that's okay. You know, you just, just go with it. And, uh, yeah, I think you hit on something big about it. I think it was a a Theodore Roosevelt quote where he says, just do, do what you can with what you have, where you are, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And and it's so simple, but I mean, you know, what else are you going to do? I mean, and that's why in some ways it's, people always find it really amazing that I tend not to plan things very much because I've, I've noticed through life that if I make too detailed a plan, that two things happen. Either one, I psych myself out from doing it because I think, oh, this is going to be way too hard. And then I also get this weird feeling that the more detail I planned it, then that's as good as it can turn out. And it seems like everything so far has turned out better than I could have imagined it. So, you know, just, uh, it's almost, uh, I think that the universe just favors action, right? Like on par, if you just keep taking action, you're going to come out on top. And I think if you add add one word to action, effective action, right? Yeah, sure. (laughs) But if you take action and even if it's not effective, that's going to tell you something, right? I mean, the universe is going to come back to you and say, yeah, we're really not interested in that. And then, you know, then you kind of vary it up. So um, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, I would say, you know, if people are listening, just try stuff and, and, take action on it and see where it leads. And just, just think about, I mean, the safety net that you have. I mean, it's really incredible. And I don't know how many stories you could pull out from books of, you know, a guy, you know, fails at 20 businesses and then ends up succeeding. And I've just, I've just never met any people that were, you know, down and out homeless because they tried too many things, you know, maybe too many drugs or something, but not too many business ideas, not too many, you know, um, not, not too many actions in their life, basically. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, what What is, I, I just was been so inspired by this, this really cool business you've launched or the second business, I guess, the game, the gamers ranch. What do you think is some of the, the best stories you've found so far out of that and all, and some of the elements that you really like about it? Well, I mean, it's like having a board game convention brought to you. I mean, that's great. <laughs> and I tell you, it, it's, it's really fun to interact with people, especially when, you know, they, they come to Gamers Ranch expecting to have a good time. And so they're just, they're ready to have a good time. And they're already in the right frame of mind. And it makes it so easy. And just seeing all the fellowship, seeing all of these, you know, people come together that haven't seen each other in years and just watching that human story unfold of, you know, just get it, basically reverting to when they were teenagers and just hanging out cool. and, uh, and having fun together. And then watching, you know, if they bring their kids, you know, watching their kids, you know, you know, meet the kids of, you know, their best friend when they were growing up, but because they live in different states, they never get to see each other. And it's one of those things where even those kids become, you know, fast friends almost instantly. And it just, it just makes me think we were, you know, not just, you know, built for the outdoors, but we were built for fellowship. We were built to interact with people and we were, you know, meant to interact with people in person. 
and uh, and and that's some of the stuff that you lose in the digital age. You know, things that people would type in a forum, they would never say to someone. And I don't know. That's I don't know for what, sure. I don't know what brings it out in people. I'm I'm not sure because when you get people together, they tend to get along and have fun. And you, when you separate and you isolate them and you anonymize them, they just tend to act very differently. And there must be some deep-rooted reason for that. But, um, but if we know that that exists, then why, why feed that? Yeah, you know? I think so, you spoke to that earlier about this kind of backlash against technology because at some level, all of our social media and everything is putting everybody in smaller and smaller silos. <laughs> Yeah, and now it's great that if you have a very niche hobby, um, like maybe like board gaming, you know, then the internet can bring all of those people together, um, you know, but I just tend to stay out of the forums and tend to go more to the conventions and, and meeting people and, and having fun. Um, Speaking and, of conventions, uh, you're going to Gen Con this year? Oh my gosh, I have such <laughs> a sordid history with Gen Con. I really love the convention, but the... The hotel situation is really the hardest thing. Mm, I mean, yeah. it just sells out so quickly. Um, and I really don't want to drive, you know, I don't want to stay at a hotel that's 30 minutes away and have to drive in. Um, so I probably won't go to Gen Con, uh, but I think I'm going to uh, PAX Unplugged. Um, that mm. one's in, I believe, Philadelphia. Oh, I think okay. I just have a little bit better hotel situation. I'll be able to get someplace closer. Uh, but nice. Gen Con's fantastic. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a human spectacle. Oh uh, yeah. I've only been one year. We went last year, my, my son and I, we've, we've lived in Indiana for like almost five years now and just now getting to Gen Con and it's going to be on my list every year now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, especially if you live in the area. I mean, yeah. We're an hour away. So it's, yeah, that's fantastic. And I think they're going to be staying there and for the next five or seven years or something, oh, they, I think they re-upped their, uh, their bid there because the city's fantastic and it's great. They just need to build some more hotels or somehow distribute it. It's just become so iconic in the gaming realm that it just attracts everybody in. So you went last year. Was that the, was that the 50th anniversary? Year? Yeah. Yeah. So I heard that was even extra crazy. It was huge. I think they had uh geez, like 67,000 individual you know, badge holders or something. And then over 250 something thousand turnstile turns or whatever. It was nuts. And I, you know, getting back to the, the question you were asking me about, you know, what I, what I kind of felt, you know, what was interesting about it was that it just, I, I love, I love gamers. It, it yeah. just seems like there's a mindset there and I'm not afraid to just invite gamers into my house. There's just something that kind of clicks and I know, mm -hmm. I know kind of what they're thinking and kind of how they think and they, not that they're all uniform because they come from all walks of life and all these different uh, backgrounds, but they all have that passion to want to solve puzzles and want to, you know, be with people and, and, uh, and basically have fun. And so that's, I really enjoy that. I mean, I don't think I could open Gamers Ranch just to be a bed and breakfast, um, I really, I really want gamers. I really want board gamers, you know, to, to come. And I feel like I know them pretty well and, uh, and they're just really good people. Not that everyone else isn't, but uh, sure. I feel like those are my, that's my tribe. That's a really good point about how, I mean, <laughs> I definitely feel the same way. Every gamer I meet at least has those same core, you know, character traits, if you will, of we're all just going to be cool together. Everybody's here to have fun. 
you know, they they want to explore, they love puzzles, um, you know, and that kind of thing. It's just, you, you do have that kind of level of shared trust of like, we're at least going to do these things. And then there's going to be a whole bunch that's completely different about us. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's what makes it fun. Absolutely. Are there and, any games uh, that you're playing right now that you uh, you really are into? Um, Azul's really good. That one is up for the Spiel des Jahres. I think that's going to win. Mm. Um, it's it's fantastic. I taught it to a, a new family here just the other day, and and it's and it's really interesting too when people when people first approach board games. You know, the first thing they say is like, "Oh, it's like Monopoly," and so the first thing <laughs> is they think, "Okay, board games are for children," and uh, and so you got to kind of slowly work them in, and then then the next thing is is that you know, they'll say something like, well, I'm not really like a board game player, not really knowing. And I think there's like some people that aren't board game players. There's kind of like, a, they want to keep you at arm's length a little bit because they're really not sure. And I remember reading some, uh, some poll they took a while, a while back that said the number one reason people that don't play board games don't want to play board games is they're afraid to look stupid. Mm. They're afraid that they're not going to understand the rules or they're going to afraid that they're going to do the wrong thing. And most people in a social situation don't want to kind of put themselves out there. And so I think, you know, if you, if there's board game players out there and you want to bring people into the hobby, you just have to be very inviting and you have to make it fun and joke around and not take it seriously. And, you know, and just laugh when people make mistakes and just make them feel very welcome. And, you know, I, I did this with the family and at first the dad was like kind of crossed arms, like, I don't really know. And I'm like, well, you know, you just might have fun. You just never know. <laughs> maybe you'll come out of it and you'll never play another board game. And maybe just maybe you'll enjoy yourself. So just or maybe you just don't like this board game. I've got yeah. 999 other ones. <laughs> exactly. But just leave yourself open to it. You know, open your mind up that you might have fun. And, uh, and so we get to the first round of Azul and then the second round. And man, his body posture starts to change and his, starts getting a smile on his face and his wife who, you know, he says like, yeah, she's the competitive one. You see her kind of like doubling down and like really concentrating on her board. And you see the, you know, the parents talking with the kids and the kids making fun of the parents of what they did. And you just, you just start to see that fellowship and that, that, that interaction start to form. And, you know, sometimes in families, you know, there's, there's, you know, I mean, from fathers to sons or, you know, moms to daughters, you know, as, as kids grow up, they kind of want to kind of pull away from their parents. And there's kind of a period of time where they want to be independent, in all these things. And it's hard to know what to talk about with your kids, right? Because, you know, what you're doing may, you know, oh, my parents have put all this pressure on me to do this and that. And, you know, the conversation always comes up how you're doing in school or, or this and that. And you always need to find something with your kids that you can always keep that's fun with them, you know, yeah. and, and board games, at least in my family, are, are the way that we do that. And, you know, we can go through, you know, tough times, but we can always play a board game and the smiles will always come out and the old jokes will happen and uh, we can just suspend reality for a little bit. But I think for a lot of families, it's, uh, they don't have something like that. And that could be hiking for people. That could be whatever it is. But I think as a family, you need to find at least one activity that can be, you know, kind of sacred like that. And mm. that you just, you can't bring up how they're doing in school while you're playing it because you're going to ruin it you know, or, or something else, you know, yeah. uh, you have to have that little magic circle where when you're playing the game, everything that happens in the game is kind of self-contained there. Um, but speaking yeah, of families uh, and board games, have you played stuffed fables yet from Plaid Hut games? I have not, but I saw it was so good. Yeah. You need to put that on your list. 
I don't know if he's going to like it. Um, My son, who's four, loves it. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, if I had a four-year-old, I would be all over that. And my, and my, and my son, sister, who's 29. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've played it with, I haven't played it with the, the 10 to teenage year crowd yet, but uh, younger kids and older kids like me and my sister and my wife and my parents love it. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's great because, you know, that game is like a storytelling game and the, you know, the plot's really good for it. And it's, well, it's all about the little girl, right? And mm-hmm. it's her adventures after bedtime and her stuffed animals are coming to life to defend her and, and it's, it's, it sounds really awesome. And, and uh, it's even got that built in, like you were talking about, the way to guide conversation in a safe place. Like they even, they have got discussion questions after every, mm-hmm. at, you know, phase of the game or, or every scenario that you can have a safe space to, space to talk about what it's like to be a parent or a kid or be open to new experiences or times that scared you. And it's it's just kind of this like you're, you're talking about this little bubble where it's okay to talk about that kind of stuff that you normally wouldn't. Yeah. Cause it's, there's so many conversations that are just hard to bring up or you don't know the context or you have your bias. And a lot of times you think that what you're thinking, other people are thinking too, and they're thinking something totally different. And, uh, and it's good to have those kind of approach vectors to be able to, to get yeah. those things talked about. So there, there's so many ways I think games could be really, um, maybe weaponized, you know, into all of these different things, you know, to teach science or history or have conversations. I think the sky's the limit. I think we just uh, just need to get more people playing games and get people sitting across from each other and, uh, you know, and uh, just get, get back to getting together to have fun yeah. instead of everyone pulling out their iPad and just being, you know, all together. I mean, yeah, you're all together, but you're all in your individual little pods. Right. Basically. And, uh, and it's tough because, you know, you, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to pull your family out of, you know, and, and, and move out into the middle of nowhere and have, you know, no TVs and no screens. I mean, there's got to be an appropriate response that's not an absolute backlash against this technology. Um, but I think that if you're going to do it, you're going to do it with your family. It, it, at least the, the, the luck that I have, my son is very independent. And my dad said the same thing. Like I, I go back to my dad and I always tell him, well, dad, why didn't we do this? And why didn't you teach me this? You know, I was just wondering, he's like, Dave, you were never interested in all of that. Whatever I was doing, you were totally not interested. You wanted to do your own thing. And I kind of thought, oh, maybe he was a bad dad. Now I see my son doing it. So maybe I'm a bad dad or maybe my son is just super independent. And he just, he doesn't always want to do the things that I want to do and he wants to do his own things. And, um, but it's good to have like some things that you can do in common and, uh, and, and pull everything together. Uh, But I think it's just, you know, all the family dynamics are different. And I think board games, uh, if we get enough people playing them, I think can can definitely make a difference getting people. I think you're right. And uh, I think this is going to allude to as, as we kind of, wrap up our time together, uh, at least recorded time anyway, of the challenge that we always have in each episode. What would you challenge myself and the audience to do this next week to incorporate some adventure into our lives? Okay. So number one, I mean, what a, what a challenge, right? Just to think up of the challenge. Um, <laughs> but then I, I think like, I was thinking, you know, what's, what's really something that's practically happened to me that I think really changed things for me. And, and one thing was, um, 
you know, I, we love to go on family vacations, um, but I always had to plan them. And so sometimes planning family vacations can be kind of stressful, especially when you're going to do something like, you know, go to Canada and, and drive through, you know, the mountains and maybe go on an Alaskan cruise or do something like that. Because, you know, you, there's just a lot of moving parts to that. And so um, I got with, you know, my business partner and we were talking about it. And so what we do is we actually plan vacations and then we do each other's vacations the next year. Uh-huh. And we let them know how they worked out. And so what I would do uh, to challenge your audience is to take a vacation. You know, it can be a day trip. It could be a week vacation. It could be two week vacation and just share what you did. So, I mean, and, and the more detail, almost the better. So, you know, my business partner is a, he's a, a definitely a, um, a perfectionist spreadsheet oriented guy. And so he had like, on this day, we check into this hotel and we do this in the morning and he had it all listed out. And I was like, wow, this was great because this is a vacation that's just templated for me and I can make little changes to it if I want. But I know, you know, he, he would take notes on if the hotel was good that he stayed at. And uh, so what would be great is if people would like to go out there on Facebook or, or wherever you interact with people and just list some vacations they went on and the places that they stayed and, uh, and, and try to take some of the pressure off because at least for me, you know, being the, the dad and the husband, I'm kind of, I've got the responsibility for planning all this stuff. And when it goes great, you know, I get the admiration and when it goes wrong, I hear about that too. And, uh, and uh, I think if we can trade some templates around, it'd be great. This is absolutely perfect because literally tonight <laughs> I'm getting together with my wife to plan out how our, uh, our weekend, we're recording this in, in May, our uh, Memorial Day camp out with our family is going to go this weekend. Um, we're planning a little late, but better late than never. But sure. we've got a, a really awesome planning tool as part of a certification program we're going through that's developed by uh, one of my Navy SEAL friends and his wife um, that goes through putting together a playbook for whatever you're planning. Okay. Talking about your emotional desired end state that environment you're going to create once you're successful and all the positive emotions you're going to create and the actions that's going to help you take and then looking at the different courses of action you might take to get there and contingencies that'll happen along the way that you got to plan for and how to you know avoid or mitigate or have a backup for those so we're going to be thinking through all that tonight. Like what happens if our kids scream for four hours in the car? What are we going to do? <laughs> or yeah, if we absolutely. have a flat tire, what are we going to do? Yeah. Well, because I mean, some of it is, is, um, you know, we'd have all these vacations and, you know, my wife and my son would say how great the vacations are. And for me, it was just, sometimes it was stress filled. Yeah. Because, you know, That's I'm having to plan though. for all these contingencies and uh, I'd like to have fun on a vacation too. Sure. I mean, I like it. I like going out and experiencing all these things. Um, and so I think anything that we can do to help each other to alleviate some of that. And, and even if I don't go on your vacation to exactly where you're going, I'm going to start to see the things that you were thinking about yeah. going there and some of the contingencies. It's like if you go to the camping the first time, you know, of course, you're going to go out to the web and say, like, what should I bring camping? You're like, oh, I really should bring one of those things. Oh, that was yeah. a good idea. I think the key is when you get back, um, mm-hmm. the, the last part of the process is an after action review, like a going through what went well, what what didn't go so well, what contingencies did we miss in each of the phases of our trip? What do we want to 
make sure we do next time or make sure we definitely don't do next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, having a Navy SEAL set you up with the process, well, you know that you're, you and your family are all coming out alive, right? So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's all going to yeah. happen. And you know that, uh, that you're going to be successful in it, right? I mean, that's what they're known for. Mm -hmm. always coming back and always being successful. So, I mean, anything you can do to help increase your chances of having a great time because, man, I can't believe how many times I went on vacation that I came back and I thought, well, especially with work where, you know, I go on vacation and I get some text message and that text message ruins the whole day. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, this, this shouldn't have, this shouldn't happen. Like, you know, this is a failure on my part to let this technology kind of interfere with it. So I put on my list, turn the phone off, you know, or put it on silent and maybe check your messages at the end of the day, you know, or something like that. And just try to try to plant all these little seeds for success of having this great vacation. Yeah, but that's a challenge. Let's, uh, let's give each other some advice on how to have great vacations. And the more detail, uh, just the more that, you know, I mean, just in, in life, in a way, it's like, what, what do people want? It's like, they want to know that they're going to be successful. They want to have that um, that knowledge that it's going to all work out and everything is going to be okay. So we need to sell that sure, that surety that everything's going to be good. Yeah. I love that. Well, we'll be sure to, to share that around when this uh, goes live sometime in July, I believe. And uh, so we'll still have a little bit of summer vacation left. If not, you can start planning your Christmas vacation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or fall, uh, fall leaf viewing out in the Northeast or, or wherever life may take you. So if folks want to take themselves out to the Gamers Ranch, where can they find you at online? Uh, that's it, gamersranch.com. So go on Gamers Ranch, uh, look at everything, and email me at uh, david at gamersranch.com. Awesome. Well, David, this has been absolutely excellent. I've just really loved getting to know you. Looking forward to coming out and visit, visiting you at the Gamers Ranch sometime soon. <laughs> yeah, come out anytime. Just let me know when it works for you, and we will get you out here. Um, All right. Take care. This, especially this summer. It's, it's pretty open. People are really planning for the fall. So come on out. Good to know. We'll get it on the calendar. <laughs> take care and have a good day. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer. Please leave us a review in iTunes. Those are the lifeblood of a new podcast. And we really appreciate those. If you want to continue the conversation around this episode and engage with your fellow adventurers on our weekly challenge, Join our group on Facebook. Now go out and live your adventure. <laughs>